earth. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor there's no one higher, no one greater. Woo! No one higher, no one greater. Come on, somebody. No one higher, no one greater. He's our God. He's our God. Woo! There's no one higher. No one greater. Jesus. believe it my 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 amen book of John chapter 3 verse 16 also reading John chapter 21 beginning with verse 15 when you truly believe something you will live like you believe it you will live like you believe it and if we truly believe that God is greater than any and every circumstance that is in our life, then you're not going to hear me giving glory to my circumstance. Instead, you're going to hear me talk about how my God is going to take care of it. How my God is working on it. How the devil don't have a chance in my life. My Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. My, the Lord has just been in every part of this service. Thank you, Brother Whittingham, for that word. I, that secret place. Powerful. We appreciate and thank our musicians for their time and efforts, and their anointing and the singing and the songs and just... Uh, all that has 
happened and taken place. I'm excited about brother and sister uh, uh, Edward and Nicole uh, taking over our hyphen group. I know that the Lord is uh, going to do uh, wonderful there. Book of John chapter 3 verse 16 to our guests. Thank you for being with us. We are so excited you are here. It is our hope and our prayer that the Lord will touch you and bless you. Already I'm sure he has, but at, continue to do that through his word. And that you will uh, respond and let him minister to you today. The word of the Lord says in chapter 3 and verse number 16. For God so loved the world. Last week we ministered about God is in love with you. Tell your neighbor, God is in love with you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 21, verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith, he saith to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? And he responded back to Jesus, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my sheep. Verse 17, for the third time, he said to Simon, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, love you me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Love you me. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Then feed my sheep. It seemed like the Lord was trying to reach into Simon's life and let him know that if this proclamation of love from you to me is real and true then there will be something that will back it up there will be something that will line up with it listen God is in love with us but I spoke to us last Sunday that you and I are the only creature in the universe that has the ability to love him back. The animals can't love him back. The insect world can't love him back. The elements of the earth can't love him back. They may praise him and glorify him, but only you and I, whom the breath of life has been breathed into, have the ability to love him back. And Jesus looks at Simon and says, Simon, you know I love you, but do you love me. I want to talk to us today for a few minutes on the subject, love demands commitment. Tell your neighbor, love demands commitment. 
Tell someone else, love demands commitment. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. This is part two about God's love. Let's ask him to minister to us. Father, we open our hearts and our minds to you. We stand before you, Lord. Oh God, as a people, as a people that are so thankful that you love us, that you loved us so much you sent, Lord, your only begotten Son whom died upon Calvary and shed his blood for us. You loved us so much that you manifested yourself in the flesh and walked amongst us. You love us. You are in love with us. But God, you so desire that we would love you back. I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, that we would learn, that we could see, that we could understand in your word what it means to love you, what it means to love you back. Touch us today, God. It is my prayer. And everybody say, Amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise? You may be seated. It seems like we live in a generation today that everybody wants free love. That's love without responsibility. Love without commitment. Love without truly having to return anything or reciprocating in any form or fashion. It's a free love generation. And this thing called free love has gotten into the church. And it seems to get worse every year and every year. Where even the church is preaching that God loves you, but nothing is respected of you in return. Live how you want to live, go where you want to go, do what you want to go, be what you want to be. It doesn't matter. He died on the cross for you. He shed his blood. He loves you. And no matter what you're going to do when you die, you're going to go to heaven. There's no responsibility, no commitment. Nothing is expected out of you. That is the message that is being preached to a generation today. And the devil must dance about it. And the adversary must love it. Because it doesn't bother him at all if he knows that you don't believe that love demands commitment. Love demands commitment. Everybody wants free love. Yet love demands the greatest commitment of all. Everybody say the greatest commitment. Our religious world today are teaching these things that I have uh, just mentioned. Listen, if this was true, then every single person on the planet would make their way into heaven without reciprocating anything at all. If the religious doctrine that men preach today uh, was true, uh, then God would be an unjust God uh, to send anyone to hell, whether they believe 
believe in him or not or whether they are of some other God doctrine or not whether they worship Buddha or Allah or some other God out there it wouldn't matter not according to that doctrine he would be unjust yet Isaiah 5 and 14 tells us therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he rejoiceth and shall descend into it I don't want to put a damper on this message but there are so many people going to hell that every day hell's got to widen itself every day the boundaries are stretched every day the mouth of hell is opened but I've come to tell you today that God loves every one of them because the Bible says for God so loved the for God so loved the for God so loved the he loves every Buddha worshiper. He loves every Allah worshiper. He loves every Confucius worshiper. He loves every idol worshiper. God died for the world. So there must be something else. There must be another variable. There must be an action. There must be a reciprocation. There must be something that is to be done on my part to get into that love. Everybody say love demands commitment. The first time in the word of God, the first scripture, Jesus is letting men know that God loves them and he was willing to give. But the second set of text God is asking Simon Peter do you love me and if you do are you willing to give is there something that you will do to show that you're in love with me it's like God is saying I gave will you give back I loved will you love back Jesus knows that love is going to demand commitment he understands that when real love is involved that one must be totally absolutely committed unto the other nothing can interfere with that Love is a word that is often used in everyday speech. I hope you'll let me preach to you today. It is a word that is often used in everyday speech. It is defined often. It is talked about. It is wrote about. It is sung about. Yet that same word love is the least practiced, most misunderstood, hardly ever seen in the world today. Just understanding love is not enough. This feeling love is not enough. If you're truly going to be and have a love relationship, you're going to have to be willing to do something, be a part of it, get engaged, become active. 
Stay with me for a little while. The world has their own definition of love. To be fond of or desire. Have a strong liking or interest. An affection of one person for another based in part upon physical attraction but the Bible has its definition of love he says love will suffer long love is kind love in the of not love vaunteth not itself neither does it puff itself up love does not behave itself unseemly love seeks not her own love is not easily provoked Love thinketh no evil. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endureth all things. And love never fails. The Bible uses the word love 310 times. The very first time the word is ever used. You know where it's at? It's with Abraham and Isaac. When God looked at Abraham and said, Take thy son, thine only son, whom thou time up, bind him up, drag him up, put him up upon an altar, draw out your knife and take his life. That, friend, was the first time that God introduced love. I don't see anything there wimpy or pansy or soft or just love me, Jesus. Love me, Lord. I don't have to do anything. No sacrifice for me. No burden on my part. No, that's not how God introduced love to us. God said love will require everything. Love will demand the thing that you care for the most. Love will demand commitment. God, I wish I had some help in this house. There's three types of servitude. There's one who gives himself to another because he has to. It's called slavery or bondage. There's one who gives himself to another because he's paid to. It's called a hireling. He's paid for the job. But then there's that one that gives himself to another because he wants to. He's not made to do it. He's not paid to do it. It's a pleasure. It's a joy. You're overwhelmed. It's something you get up every day and you can't wait to get into the servitude of the one you love. And all three of those are in the church 
you'll see them. Mama, drag them by the nap of the neck. Throw them into the altar. By luck or something, they might even pray through, get baptized in Jesus' name, but they were never in love with it. The moment they can get out of the house, they're gone. They go off to college. You never see them again. They move away. They're out of the church. Why? They were made to serve him. That's the reason why I tell you precious young people, you got to get this for yourself. You got to fall in love with God on your own. It can't be mom or dad that brings you to the house of God. You got to get on your own knees. Get your own relationship. Fall in love for yourself. I'm telling you young people, it don't matter what mom does. It don't matter what God, uh, dad does. You ought to have your own relationship. Is Eli here today? Where's Eli? Is Eli here today? He's working. God bless his heart. Bless Eli. Love his family. Mom and dad were in church. They're both backslid. I know it's being booked. I hope they see it. Both of them have left the house of God. Even his own sister is no longer serving God. But that young teenager boy walks through those doors every time they're open. He was at Camp Spada. You know why? It might have started out with mom and dad. But somewhere down the road, he fell in love with his God on his own. This is what's got to happen. This is what's got to get in your heart. You never know what's going to happen in life. You never know what's going to bring you when life comes. That's why you got to have it for yourself. It's got to be inside. Listen to me, spouse. Your husband may leave God. Your wife may leave God. But you got to serve him. You got to love him because you are in love with him. Not because your spouse is in love. I got to get my own relationship. I got to fall in love for myself. I know this is tough preaching. But it will save us. Yeah. They serve God because they're made to. And the first chance they get, they're out of here. They're gone. They make excuses for work. They make excuses for health. They make excuses for all kinds of things. But the real excuse is they never really fell in love with the God that was blessing them and the God that loved them and the God that cared for them without fail because love never fails. Love never fails. Love never quits. Love never gives up. He'll never give up on you. Yeah. And then we have those that as long as everything is fine, as long as the children are in good health, as long as you got that good job, as long as everything's okay and, uh, and the banker's not knocking on your door for repossession, the car dealership isn't trying to take your car, 
the pink slip wasn't put in your hand you come to church you love God you shout you praise him you're all excited about the wonderful things of God but then things start to go wrong things start to get difficult you get sick in your body you lose your job your spouse leaves you come on listen to me Job listen to me the horrible things come into your life and you say you know what it's not worth it I give up I quit I throw in the towel you know your problem you were paid to serve him you were only here because he provided for you he blessed you he helped you he lifted you up he glorified you he made you popular he made you all these things and as long as I've got all that I'll serve him but the moment all that goes away they walk out that door and they leave God because they were hirelings By the way, that's the problem with pulpits. Men are hirelings. They're told what to preach, when to preach. They're paid a salary. If you don't preach what we tell you, tell you to preach, preacher, then you're gonna, we're going to pull your salary. I got news for you. You don't pay me a salary. Well, you don't. You pay your tithes, and every dime of it's mine. And I decide what I want to do with it. Because God gives it to the priesthood. Now my wife and I live on a, a small portion of that tithing. Because we're trying to make everything work in this place. But we are a blessed, blessed, blessed family. You, I don't fear your face. I don't fear your wallet. I don't fear your threats. I am not a hireling. I am a man of God, called by God, anointed by God. I preach what God gives me, no matter who it upsets. And I've upset some people. I'll never forget, we were back on Forest Hill, and oh, we were in a building fund again. Ain't nothing like get people upset like a building fund. We was in a building fund, and... And man, we were packed out. They were sitting in the foyer. The building was so crowded. And I'm, I look out there, and I just got, I just stood up and I said, listen, if you're not giving to the building fund, if you're not paying your tithes, and if you're not giving offerings, I don't want you here. Now, why did I say that? Because there were no room for real sinners. I'd rather have sinners on my pews than hypocrites. I can reach a sinner. I can't reach a hypocrite. You think you're okay up here, but you're not being obedient to the Word of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my... My what? My what? Clap your hands for the Lord and give God praise. You got to ask yourself the question, am I the one being made to serve God? Am I the one being paid to serve God? Or am I the one that's in love? Am I the one that no matter what comes my way, no matter what happens, no matter how hard the word is, as long as it is the word, 
No matter what God asks of me, as long as it is God. No matter what comes into my life, no matter the heartache or the trouble or the pain or the loss, I am here. I'm here to stay. I'm in love. Do I have anybody like that in the house? Is there anybody like that out there? I wonder if you'd stand to your feet and worship your God for a moment. Will you open your mouth? Will you praise Him? Will you love Him? This church needs to be full of a bunch of jobs. Though he slay me, yet will I serve. I'm not paid to serve him. I'm not made to serve him. I'm here because I love him. Lord bless you. You can be seated. Everybody shout out. Love demands commitment. Love's powerful. It's powerful. Love has the ability to bring the most peace and contentment in your life. And at the same time, to bring the most pain and trouble. Love. It's a two-sided coin. Love has said, Shed peace into the hearts of men more than anything else. And at the same time has called such mass confusion that countries would come to war against one another. Love has healed open wounds and at the same time put stripes on a Savior's back. Love is capable of taking a little man and lifting him up above his troubles and taking a big man and bring him down to his knees. Can you say love demands commitment? The most common example of love is marriage. Yet six out of ten of every marriage will end up in a divorce. The question is, what's going wrong? Have they forgotten what love demands? Because when they, stood, when they stood before their spouse and said, I love you, they said, I will love you, I will cherish you, I will honor you, I will hold you this day forward. I will do this for better and for worse, for richer and for poor, in sickness and in health, and until death do we part. Friend, that is commitment. Amen. An example would be my own mother and father, my dad. My dad married a beautiful, raven-haired, Cajun woman, dark-eyed, gorgeous. She was gorgeous. I wish I had. I wish I'd have brought the picture of her before she was uh, uh, wrecked by that disease that uh, came upon her at 21 years old. My dad married her, and and uh, and then at 21 years old, that disease came upon her body. And that beautiful, beautiful, fine figure of a woman, beautiful uh, uh, young uh, lady, began to cripple and deform. Even though they kept having children, there was a 
that was sincerely a loss of love and my dad had uh, multiple affairs and he's gone home to be with the Lord God God rest his soul and and but he had multiple affairs and and there were horrible things that took place uh, in the home that none of the children uh, even want to speak about thank God I was spared of most of those being the youngest but however so you have to ask the question finally uh, uh, f- uh, left and forsook and uh, departed from one another and, and you got to ask yourself the question what went wrong it's easy what went wrong friend is that you fall in love with the appearance but not the real individual and the person listen there's a danger in church and that danger is that people fall in love with the loaves and the fishes and the miracles and they don't fall in love with the Christ and listen it, you say well you know that happens in this time. I want to tell you, that happened in the days of Jesus Christ. There were over 5,000 that he fed with fishes and loaves. And he broke it and he fed them. But then he got up and he started preaching the word of God. And he began to lay it out. And he laid it out straight. He didn't hold anything back. He talked about serpents and hypocrites and, and deceivers and liars. And he began to lay everything out. And they slowly began to leave one at a time until finally he turned and the only ones left was his 12 disciples and he turned to his disciples and he said will you leave me also and they said Lord where would we go watch this watch this they didn't mention the loaves they didn't mention the fish they didn't mention the miracles they said Lord where would we go you have the words of eternal life They were not in love with what he could do. They were in love with who he was. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to make it in church today, you got to quit following after signs. It's not about the loaves and the fishes. That's just a part of it. It's about the everyday grinding at the meal, serving God, walking in truth, walking in his likeness, becoming shaped and formed into his image every day. I walk with him. I was talking to an individual not long ago, and uh, and they came here. They visited, and they met with Elizabeth and I, and we we had dinner together, and we shared. They're a wonderful couple, and. Uh, and so they kept, you know, they kept talking and they said, well, you know, I don't think we can do that holiness thing. You know, we can't do that separation thing. No, understand this was after they had spent 20 minutes talking about they have never felt God in a church service like they felt in this service. This was after they had spent 20 minutes talking about the glory of God and the power of God and everything that was everything that was going on. 
and then they kind of end that with uh, well but I don't know if we can do this separation thing you know come out from among them touch not uh, the unclean thing and I will receive you unto myself so what they're really saying is we you know we want to love God and uh, we want to feel God uh, but we don't want to be received unto God because you must be holy because he is holy I said, well, honey, I don't want to break the news. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But I want to tell you why you feel God in that building. I want to tell you why God moves the way he moves. It's not because we talk in tongues. It's not because we do other things that even the charismatic world does. I'm going to tell you why. Because that building is filled with men and women who have separated themselves from the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And the lust of the eyes, they had pulled out from the world and cleaved under their God. She said, You mean, you mean you're trying to tell me it's because of your separation that God moves the way He does? I said, You better believe it. It's all throughout the Word of God. The only people that God ever walked amongst, the only people that God ever dwelled in were those who separated themselves. He told the Israelites, Don't you marry their daughters? Don't you worship their gods? Don't you eat their idols? Don't you do those things. You must be separate. You must come out. You must separate yourself. Because love demands. Love demands. Love demands. Me and you going to be married. Huh, you going to take on my name? I know you wanted to keep yours, but Elizabeth Taylor, she wanted to keep that. So, met her, said, baby, we're going to get married. And we're, we're going to be together forever. But every once in a while, I'm going to come by this fine-looking woman over here. Come on, gorgeous. Yeah. You need your cane? Okay. Now when you're holding the hand of a good-looking man like me. Woo! So I just want to, baby, I just want you to understand. Now I love you. I love you. I give you my all. All of me. Huh? All of me. I hold nothing back. I'm all yours, huh? What's what? What? Her? Oh, we're going to take care of her later. Huh? Come on, come on, baby. You're all mine. Come on. I come, I come to church, and, and now I'm just trying to convince her that I'm all hers. I pick you, but you're married. It wouldn't look right. Come on, Sister Kelly. Come hold Sister Lothar's hand over here. Come on, woman. When I say move, move. <laughs> and we make our way. Make our way. And they just keep adding on. Sister Pringle, don't tell your husband, but come on. 
Says Springle, joins in. I'm all yours, baby. Oh, yes. I'm sold out to you. It's, it, it's just me and you. It's, it's a, listen, this is how most people serve God. With their lips, they commit to him. But with their body, their mind, and their spirit, they have lovers lined up all the way out. This is what I'm talking about. Separate yourself from the things of the world. Separate yourself from the lust of the eyes. Separate yourself from the pride of life. Separate yourself from the lust of the flesh. And cleave to your God. You mean there's things I'm going to have to give up? What kind of question is that? If you can continue to be who you've always been and live like you've always lived, why does God have to come into your life? If you're already perfect, if everything's okay, every why do you think God comes in? He comes to say, hey, we've got to lay that down. We've got to lay this down. We've got to get that out of our life. You've got to fix this over here. Why? You're going to be my bride. I'm going to show you off. The world's going to see you. The world's going to know who you are. And everybody say, love demands commitment. You want him to love you. But you don't want to love him back. Because love demands commitment. Love demands sacrifice. When I fall in love with my spouse, I begin to change things about me that please her. And she begins to change things about her that pleases me. I'm still working on that Alabama football thing. That's a hard one. That's a second love. I don't know if I'll ever get it out of her. True commitment. David proved... His love when everybody else fled. And he said in his heart, is there not a cause? Somewheres in your walk with God, you have to come to the place that his cause, his purpose, his kingdom, is greater than my pleasures and my satisfactions. My wants and my lust, my ideology, and all these things. She went on to say, well, you know, we go to this, we went to this other church in California, and you know, none of them, none of them were separated in any way at all. And now she's just talking about outward. You know, holiness is not outward, you know. Holiness is inward. Standards is outward. But holiness will bring standards into your life. Oh, yes, it will. It's no different than drain, joining the army and think that you're going to sit on that chair and say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to keep my hair. 
They're going to say, yeah, you can keep your hair. We'll put it in a bag for you. Huh? No, I'm going to keep wearing my denim blue jeans and my, and, and, and my gator shirt. No, no. You're going to wear exactly what everybody else in this army wears because you are no longer your own identity. You are the identity of the United States of America armed force. And it doesn't matter what you join up with. They have standards. So quit, quit kidding yourself and quit saying stuff like that. You can even join a, 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 a sports. A, a ba- why, don't you, why don't you join a, a basketball team and, and run out there with some other team's jersey on and find out how long you hang around. You're not going to hang around very long. I want to tell you the highest calling on earth is the church of the living God. And you better to believe he's got a standard he said separate yourself come out from among them touch not the unclean thing he tells us don't eat like them don't dress like them don't talk like them don't walk like them don't live like them don't go where they go don't do what they do don't say what they say love Clap your hands to the Lord. I'm going to wrap this up in a little bit. Love found a supreme expression, as we know, on Calvary. Jesus Christ came to this world, gave himself, died upon the cross. Because love demands commitment. He said, for God so loved the world. God didn't stay up in heaven Love demanded commitment. Love committed love. When, when God committed love, he committed himself. When you commit love to God, you are committing yourself to abide by this word. Romans chapter 8, Paul the apostle talks a little bit about this. He said, who shall separate us from the Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake, O Lord, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Does that sound like just living any way you want to live? Doing anything you want to do? Or does that sound like you've sold out to something? And whatever this, whatever this army of God demands out of you, you will do. And you will abide by. And you will walk in. Because that's what love is all about. That's what love is all about. He goes on to say, he said, no, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, are you serious? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, sword, killed all the day long as sheep uh, for the slaughter. And yet Paul the apostle says, uh, in all those things, uh, we are more than conquerors uh, through him uh, that loved us. Uh, what are you saying, Paul? He's saying, the only thing that's going to get you through these things is if you are truly in love. 
Only love will bring you through tribulation. Only love will bring you through distress. Only love will bring you through persecution. Only love will bring you through famine. Only love will bring you through the sword. Only love will allow you to allow your life to die for Him and to live for Him. Only love can do that. Anything else than love will separate you. Throw you out. Listen, you don't have to worry about some of us walk around saying, I don't think he really loves God. You don't have to worry about it. Life take care of that. Your job is to pray for them, lift them up, teach them Bible studies, be kind to them, love them, speak well of them, help them, encourage them, strengthen them, walk with them. That's, that's our job. Romans 8, 38. I'm going to try to close. For I am persuaded, Paul said, let neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And everyone say, love demands commitment. Say, love demands commitment yes he loves you we preached about it last week his love for you was unquestionable when he was talking to Simon Peter on that beach cooking that fish the love of Jesus Christ for Simon Peter was unquestionable he had already died on the cross he had already shed his blood he had already suffered and been tortured and all of these horrible things have already happened the question was not did Jesus love Simon Peter the question was Simon Peter do you love me Because things are coming your way. Situations and sorrows and heartaches and pains and tribulations and peril and all of these difficult things. And only if you're in love with me. People will read these verses I just read to you there in Romans chapter 8 they'll read these verses and they'll say oh I'll go through that oh I'll, I, I would push through that oh I would do this and they say that because they're not going through any of that and the reason why I know they would not go through those things and they would not is because they're not even willing to change a few bad habits They claim all, claim all of this love for him. And you're not even willing to fix yourself up in any form or fashion so that you become the image of Christ before a world that is lost and dying. God's been dealing with some of you. And I'm pastor, so I, I can do this. It's not even one o'clock yet. God's been dealing with you and, and you've fixed yourself up right, changed things and, 
in so many areas. And we get down to that one little bitty tiny thing. And you won't let it go. And you justify your keeping it. And you say, oh, but it's so small to you. But it's the universe to God. Because it's the one thing you won't give him. Remember, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. It's the one thing that matters to him. Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6 tells us love is as strong as death. You know what that tells me? That means that if you love God, you are willing to let any and everything die in your life in order to have him. You won't hold on to nothing because love is stronger than death. I'll let anything, I'll give up anything for him the beauty about it is most of the time he requests things of you and then when you're willing he says i'm just finding out that's what he did with abraham and isaac huh he said give me your son and when he drew the knife god said whoa i was just checking you out i was just making sure there wasn't nothing left in your life that you loved more than you loved me. And God has been visiting some of you and he's been speaking to your heart. He's been speaking into your spirit. He's been asking something from you and you've been justifying your reason for holding on to it. And all God wants to know is are you willing? I want to do so much with you. I want to do so much in you. I want to do so much for you. I just want to know are you willing? But you just hold on. Samson's a good example, and I'm closing. When nothing else could get him, love did. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me because he loved this present world. Listen to your pastor. Love seeks to identify itself with the object of its affection. When I walk down the mile, mall, I want everybody to know that woman's my wife. We hold hands everywhere as we go. I know how beautiful she is. I see all those guys look at her. I'm not crazy. I watch them dart their eyes. Now, the worldly guy, the worldly man, he'd get all ruffled and upset and walk over there and want to do a fight. I don't get upset. You know why? I know she loves me. That guy don't bother me. He's not going to get hurt from me. Have you seen me? <laughs> Obviously, she hasn't. Hey, I'm not jealous of them guys. She's not going nowhere. She's in love with me. And that's how I want God to feel about me. When all the things of the world start pulling on me, I want God to say like he did with Job, I'm not worried about you, devil. Take anything you want. Do anything you want. Say whatever you want. Put him through whatever you want. He will never curse me. He will never leave me. He is in love with me. 
That's how I want the Lord to feel about me. That's how you should want him to feel about you. All these things trying to get a hold of you. All of the things of the world trying to attract you. It should be God. So I'm not worried about that. They've proven their love for me. Love seeks to identify itself with the source of its affection. That's why my wife doesn't dress to attract the opposite sex. Because they're not the source of her affection. I am. She waits till she gets in the house. Oh, yeah. Huh? I know, baby. Get that fan out. Huh? Then she dresses for attraction. Talk to me. Why? Because I'm the source of her affection. I'm what she's in love in. I dress for the attraction. Because we're home alone. It's me and you now, baby. Yeah. But when I go out into the world, I'm not going to dress in a way that might attract other women to look at me. My wife's not going to dress in a way to attract other men to look at her. They're not the source of her affection. The world is not the source of our affection. We're not going to behave like them, look like them, do things like them. We're going to get in that book and find out what pleases God. That's how I'm going to dress. That's how I'm going to talk. That's how I'm going to walk. That's what I'm going to do. I wish I had some. Anybody here believe what the preacher's preaching? I know some of you don't. Your actions show it. Love seeks to identify itself with the object of its affection. Love desires to be with the object of its affection. That's why I have a problem with people that would rather do other things rather than be in the house of God. They're obviously more attracted to other things than God's house. You can always tell someone, and I'm going to hurt some of your feelings right now, so just deal with it. But you can always tell someone when they walk in the line, they will arrange their vacation to come home on a Sunday instead of a Saturday so they can be in church on Sunday. We don't. We arrange our vacation so it ends on a Friday or Saturday. So I, I want to be in the house on Sunday. I love you. I love him. I want to be in the, I'm not going to be on the road driving while you're here worshiping God. I'm going to be right here with you. I told you I'd hurt your feelings. But when you're in love with somebody, you arrange everything about your life to get in their presence as often as you can. You know I'm telling you the truth. 
You rearrange everything about your life. Rearrange your job. Rearrange everything that you can. Everything that you will. What? To do what? To be in the house of God. Why? Because you're in love with Him. Love demands commitment. Tell your neighbor, my God, He's preaching. It's the truth. You're all fighting and pettying up whether get all riled up on on the isms and sisms. I don't see what's wrong with this little thing. I don't see what's wrong with that little thing. The, the problem is the fact that you're arguing. It already shows that there's something wrong in there. If it really doesn't matter to you, then give it up. Just give it up, whether you think you have to or not. Just take it off. Give it up. Put it aside. Wait and see what God will do. Man. Listen, I'm closing. I know I said it's the third one, but I, I'm, I'm getting there. Love doesn't only want to know Him. While he's feeding the multitudes, love wants to know him while he's fasting in the wilderness. Love doesn't only want to know him while he's walking on the water. Love wants to know him when he's being tossed on the boat with everybody else. Love don't only want to know him when he's walking on the water. Love wants to know him when he's walking up Calvary's hill. Love doesn't only want to know him when he's saying, Lazarus, come forth. Love wants to know him when his hands are spread out and his head drops and he says, it is finished. <laughs> Love doesn't want to just know him while he's healing the sick. Love wants to know him while the stripes are being put on his back. Love doesn't want to know him just while he's being glorified. Love wants to know him when sweats drops of blood like sweat is coming out of his brow and agony flows through him love will identify with its lover no matter what the situation no matter what the condition no matter what's going on love will identify with its lover let's stand no matter how hard it is in my life listen to this Love caused Paul to be beheaded, Andrew to be crucified in Greece, Thomas to be pierced through with spears from four soldiers, Philip to be arrested in Rome only to be cruelly tortured until he was dead, Matthew to be stabbed to death in Ethiopia, James stoned and then clubbed to death, Simon the Zealot, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god in Persia, Matthias, not Matthew the writer, he, he was put to death uh, by burning, Peter crucified upside down. Matthew the writer some say but we're not sure was decapitated and John was boiled in oil only to write the book of Revelation later that's what love does and so here's the question so Jesus looked at Simon and he said Simon Lovest thou me? 
Yay, Lord. You know I love you. What's up with that? Feed my sheep or lambs, whatever one it was. They probably went on just a little bit, you know, and Simon cuts another piece of fish. Jesus takes his hand and reaches out and puts it on top of Peter's hand and looks him in the eye and says, Simon, lovest thou me? Lord, you, you know I love you. You know I love you. They go on a little bit. One more time, Jesus stops Simon, looks him straight in the eyes and says, Simon, do you love me? Now, Simon, we know the word tells us he begins to get a little upset. More disturbed, probably, of why Jesus would ask him three times. Maybe, you know, maybe his mind went back a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he, he thought about the three denials prior to the crucifixion. And you know how we do. You know how we do. We revisit old past sins that have already been forgiven. And we ask ourselves the question, is the Lord judging me for this? No. When you put that under the blood, it's gone. Jesus will never judge you for a past sin that you have repented of and put under the blood. Who knows where that, what could have possibly went through his mind. And basically Simon was saying, Lord, I'm troubled. This is kind of bothering me. I don't really understand what you're saying. Lord, you you, you know I love you. What, What are you trying to say? He said, Simon... The day is going to come when they're going to take you by the hand. And they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. You're going to go through things, Simon, that you could never dream could ever happen to you. And so I'm asking you, do you love me? Because only if you love me more than anything will you be able to make it. Anything less than a total sellout. You will lose. I must have every want, every pleasure, every desire. I must have everything. I must have it all. Don't you be fooled by this religious world who is preaching and teaching love is one way. God loves you, but how and what you do doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. How we live and what we give 
speaks volumes. And when we find ourselves holding on to something and not letting go, and we know that our pastor preaches that we should let that go, the man of God prefers that that not be a part of our attire. But you hold on to it. You need to question yourself. Because I'm the voice that God uses to speak into your life. I'm the voice. That's just Bible. You can have a lot of teachers, but there's only one father. And it's the father that makes the rules. It's the father that makes the rules. And God is doing wonderful things with this place. And you and I have to make up our minds. Are we in love with him? Or is this just a social gathering? Or will we just raise this way and it's all we know? And we would just be uncomfortable being anywhere else. Or is this... everything because if you think for a minute that loving God isn't going to require everything from you I've got families in this place I wouldn't stand next to you in judgment Because you, you've lost so much. But you just keep coming. You keep loving him. Keep praising him. And you just say, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know why he took her. I don't know why he took my child. I don't know why he took my spouse. But I'm going to love him. Brother Shatu, I think that was the most precious words I heard you say yesterday. I don't know why he took her. She was so precious. He should have took me. He was saying. But God knows best. And I'm going to love him. Walking out his door. See you Sunday, Pastor. I'll see you. I'll see you in church. I'm going to come worship a God. I'm going to come serve a God. That with the flicker of his finger could have removed that cancer from her body. But he chose not to. Chose not to. And I don't understand it. But everything I am is his. Everything. Simon, do you love me? I do. I do, Lord. I do. 
okay because there's some things coming there's some difficulties coming I wonder if you could join pastor in the altar today let's spend a few minutes let's come commit to God if you're here today and you're a guest we welcome you to join us and pray with us if you've never received the gift of God's spirit into your life you can have it today we'll pray with you if you've never been baptized in Jesus name we'll baptize you Jesus loves